0: Hi, Sarah. Hi, Louise. You're in some new digs today. I am. It's pretty crowded at the moment, but I'll get settled. <laughs> yep. How to move. Um, okay. <laughs> to my little bedroom.
1: That's a big switch when you move. Uh, that's for yes, sure. It really is. <laughs> well, we're back for journey of the adopted self. We're nearing the end of this book. And literally, we have just two chapters to go. So chapter 16, the adoption tie. And I'm just going to read the first little paragraph, and then ask your thoughts. Where are the adoptive parents in all of this? We must pause to ask. While the adoptees were growing up, the birth parents were the invisible parents in their lives. But during search and reunion, it often seems that the adoptive parents become the invisible ones. But invisible or not, on stage or in the wings, the adoptive parents are always there in the adoptee's psyche and have influence on the reunion process.
0: For sure. I mean, in my own experience, you know, and this was before I read anything about adoption, I had a lot of guilt on both ends, guilt with particularly the mothers, not necessarily my dad, but the mothers, you know, birth mother, adoptive mother, inflicting feelings, meet? I never met. They no. never did meet. Uh-uh. They never did. Yeah. I thought
1: of you in this because I haven't, my mom met my bio family on my mom's side, but not my my biological mom, obviously, because she had passed. So I wondered how that would be. Like yeah. if, if you had, I couldn't remember that. I was thinking when I was reading it, did Sarah's mom, did the moms meet? No. They never
0: met. No, I highlighted this. There are no rituals for such a momentous event in the child's life, such as there are for baptism, bar mitzvah, graduation or marriage. No one knows how to react when it happens. The adoptive parents are suddenly asked to accept an alternate reality to the one in which they adopted. Secrecy is to be replaced by openness in searching for those once invisible parents, the adoptee exposes the denial by which everyone has lived as if in a gentleman's agreement. Mm, everything is stripped away. It's amazing mm-hmm. well i I did have feelings. a I yeah. had a thought that I wrote mm-hmm. down after I read this chapter because when it got into like how adoptive parents had reacted or maybe how birth parent you know the reaction, all I could think of is like once again. The child is not being considered here. It's all about everyone else's feelings and never the child. So, and I wrote this whole chapter, the reaction of the parents just reinforces how much counseling and therapy should be required before the adoption. Yeah. It just, to me, that's what this chapter reads. For all the adults, (laughs) Mm -hmm. for all the adults, before they take this on, you know, know what you're doing and getting into and always put the child's needs first.
1: I completely agree. And we had so many different guests that have been on here who have had every kind of reunion,
0: mm-hmm. good,
1: bad, and the ugly, good, bad, and the ugly with the adopted parents and with the birth parents. I was thinking how there was a part where it talks about fear of losing the child, about fear and anguish. The adopted parents are, like you said, a new reality also, and they're like fearful and they act mad out of anguish. Mm-hmm. My my father acted like that, really angry out of fear. And now I realize, but I was left balancing as the kid. Oh, I've done something wrong.
0: Oh, and I better take you know,
1: care of his feelings. Like and I everybody. better
0: take care of, okay, then I can't do what I really truly want because I need to yeah. take care of, you know. And the bio family too, because I felt like I got to take care of them. They're like, why isn't she getting back
1: to us? Why is it, you know, it's a lot of like, I'm supposed to perform in a certain way feeling. Mm -hmm. And And then my my biological
0: mother felt that I wasn't open hearted, which I've talked ad nauseum about on this podcast. And that was because of my own guilt about my parents that raised me. And it's tricky. You know, there's a lot of, again, you wouldn't let yourself be open yeah. I wouldn't let myself be open hearted. And now it's like something I feel sad about, you know?
1: And you would now. That's what's sad because we've done the reading and the work to be open-hearted for everybody. Mm-hmm. I can see how it would be an alternate reality. We raised our kids. Trust me, if somebody came in and said Jack was like, "Oh, I want to be in his life," I'd be like, "What? I can barely share him with, like, you know, yeah, new, you know, his girlfriend or something." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but part of it is, is when you enter into adoption, you have to know you've adopted
0: someone else's baby, and nobody was counseled on this. Nobody was counseled that. There was one example of because the chapter goes through different scenarios. Yeah. And there was one scenario in which the parents were very the adoptive parents were like totally loving and accepting. And that was a situation in that was everything worked out. And I just thought, but maybe it took a lot for them to do that. But that was the healthy, healthy way to be. And the outcome was great. As soon as anybody's fear and ego gets involved. Yeah. And she brought up our friend, Nancy Verrier. Yes. yes.
1: Nancy was an adopted parent. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how she, for people who don't know that haven't listened to the beginning of our podcast or read Nancy Verrier, she was an adopted parent who wrote about the separation with the baby and the triad and everything. And because she went through these things herself and it is, you have to have a lot of strength. It's like when you put aside your feelings, when your kid needs something and you're like, well, I don't need that because you have to do it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: on both sides. And it reminded me, we have a guest that said something like they competed at the door for her sort of like, oh, thank you for this. Or thank you. The moms competed and the babies or the baby, they're an adult, but really you become the baby just standing there like, "Uh, which mom do I, you know, (laughs) who am I loyal to? Right, We all want the best.
0: There was something that I don't remember. I'll find it that I highlighted that was just like the bottom line about the whole thing. The adoption system is littered with regrets. The adoptive mother regrets that her child is not biologically related and the birth mother regrets that she relinquished her child. And then, oh, and here, so this is what I was saying. The mothers have to put their child's interests ahead of theirs. Otherwise, the adoptee is back in the chalk circle being pulled apart by two mothers. Oh, the chalk circle. Mm-hmm.
1: That's good. I mean, she's really, the way she writes, it makes me re-examine like everything in my life again. I don't I mean, know. Does it do that to you? It's like, they're deep, these chapters. And and it I start does. to have it's empathy really... for everybody too. I see people a little bit like, you know, we have different friends that are struggling in different parts of adoption or people who don't want to search, people do. And there's a lot of, there's a lot in this. I think Jeff mm-hmm. said it. There's a lot of room for forgiveness and everybody has a big role that they can get hurt, right? Yeah we have to be kind to each other and people need therapy. I think you're right. It's the bottom
0: well, line. Well, I just think if it's all about the way you feel as the parent, then you're doing a disservice and there has to be awareness and sure we're human, but again, the adoption system is littered with regrets and just the awareness. That's what it is. It takes awareness and effort and understanding and empathy. And it's, yeah. uh, it's obviously, you know, it's, This is still going on and people aren't aware. They're not, you know, it's not a required thing that it's so the system is just messed up. And she did say that the adoptee
1: often goes through this journey alone, even when the adopted family would like to go through it with them. They're still really going through it alone because it's kind of their own journey. And you have to also not be too involved. You just have to listen what they need. Right. And I think Nowadays, with more open adoption, maybe that's a problem that comes up that I'd love to hear about from somebody. Is it too involved? Like,
0: is it too was- involved? I think it she touched on it a bit. Yeah, a little bit because I this- have to give my parents credit; they were very supportive, and yeah, if they felt feelings about it, they didn't express negative feelings to me. They. We're very supportive of my it's, seeking, and it's huge. Yeah, I mean, very supportive. I think you do have to give them credit because I think it's
1: really big. Like my mom came around, but it took her a long time.
0: Yeah, really I, long Mine were right time. off and the bat. I think bat, it's just... only because of
1: us talking. Hmm. Yeah, I say kudos to them because yes. you know, especially oh, for your sure. mom who listens. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we have someone who is coming up. Our guest is awesome, and she has some stuff with her moms in there, I too. I mean, yes,
0: every, every guest <laughs> has some reunion stuff, don't they? Yeah, they should. Sure have we do. had any guests on that haven't had any reunion process? A, f-
1: a few. A few people have been looking.
0: Looking. I mm-hmm. really I'm trying been... to
1: think, actually.
0: Maybe not. Well, John, early on. Yeah. Right. Some people just
1: have dead ends.
0: Right. John ha- reached a dead end. And Rachel.
1: Oh, no, Rachel had, Rachel a, no, did she not had have a little.
0: No. Yeah. Mick? Oh, Mick. I don't remember. Well, Hi, yeah. <laughs> I see him on LinkedIn. All right.
1: <laughs> 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 well, we can't wait to meet our next guest. and It's awesome to see you in your new spot. Congratulations. Yes.
0: Yeah. Thank you. See you see soon. You, see you in a minute. Okay. Hey, we just want to give a shout out to all of our Patreons to say thank you. We are so grateful for your support and can't thank you enough. We're so close to being able to bring this podcast to you weekly. We just need a few more Patreons to get us there. So if you want to be one of those that pushes us over, we'd love it. You can go to patreon.com and search adoption, the making of me. So many people have reached out wanting to be guests and coming to you weekly will give voice to adoptees that want to tell their story. Your support will help us get there. Any amount is appreciated. Thank you.
1: So good morning, everybody. Here we are for another episode. And our next guest wrote us and she really enjoys podcasts and different things about adoption and blogs. And she's actually someone who has a blog and is quite knowledgeable in the whole world of genealogy. So I'd like to introduce from Dayton, Ohio, Lynn Grubb. Hi, Lynn. Hi, thank you. It's
2: great to be here.
1: We're excited to have you. So we'll just start with what's your adoption story and how you got where you are today.
2: Okay. Well, I am a BabyScoop era adoptee, born in 65, adopted in 66. And I came through the Cradle Adoption Agency in Chicago, which is a private agency that's been around 99 years. They also have wow. an on-site nursery. They're supposedly the only ones in the country that still have that running. Hmm. So that's is kind of a claim to fame they're still in business they are they're in Evanston Illinois and their reputation like at the time when i was adopted was that they had a lot of hollywood influence a lot of babies came out of there for hollywood movie stars and you
0: mean like movie stars adopted babies out of there
2: yeah so like okay. bob hope george burns and others Wow.
0: I didn't know Interesting.
2: Yeah. There's a lot of newspaper articles. I've done a lot of research while I was researching my own genealogy just to kind of get the history of it. And it was started by a socialite who was trying to find a baby for her sister in the 1930s, I think, or late 20s. Yeah.
0: I wonder if she knew Georgia Tan.
2: Yeah. They were probably buddies.
0: <laughs> yeah. That that for-profit adoption business. There you go. <laughs> for the stars. Yeah. it. Okay. Georgia Tan got Joan Crawford, her, one of her kids. Yeah. Mommy dearest. Hmm.
1: Well, okay. So you were adopted. How did that go about? When were you adopted? And how long
0: were you in that little nursery?
2: So they keep the babies until they're five pounds. And most of the cradle babies, as they call us, that I know of are adopted right around three months are placed in the home. So they keep a watch on you to make sure you're healthy. And when you get to a certain weight, then they release you. So I was placed with my parents. Um, like a puppy mill. <laughs> I could say a lot, but I'll, oh yeah, <laughs> oh,
0: please do. We, uh, I mean.
2: <laughs> so I was placed with my parents at that time. They lived in the Chicago area, and so did my birth family. So we were all kind of close. And then my dad decided to move to Dayton, Ohio, in 1968 when I was two and a half. And then they went back to get my brother from the cradle in 68. So they were already living in Ohio. But at that time, Ohio didn't have good adoption laws. So they wanted to work with Illinois.
0: What do you mean they didn't have good adoption laws?
2: It was harder to get children in Ohio. There was a lot of more bureaucracy. So my parents and a lot of their friends were adoptive parents. They knew that it was just better to work with Illinois. That was the reputation. There's so,
0: so much wrong with this whole thing. It's just... <laughs> yeah. Uh. yeah,
2: absolutely.
1: And, and so you have one brother and he's also adopted. Yes, yes. He's Are you too me. close?
2: No, not really. I mean, we live relatively close, but we're not like emotionally close. But he's a loner and I don't know. We just kind of grew up in different circles. So I wouldn't say we're close. We love each other, but not. we're not like buds. We don't confide in each other. (laughs) Yeah. So
1: what happened from there? You came home with your parents and.
2: Yeah. So I grew up in one one house, one school district. I had a lot of stability.
0: And Um, did they tell you you were adopted?
2: Yes. They told me early enough that I don't remember them telling Mm -hmm. me. And I was very precocious and outgoing as a child. So I would tell everybody that I was adopted, like my teachers and everyone who asked. I just pretty much blabbed. (laughs) I've met other people who like kept it a deep, dark secret because they thought, you know, they were embarrassed, but that wasn't me. I was very open about it. Yeah. I blabbed about it too. (laughs) Yeah. I'm so special. And I, you know, when you're young, you don't understand it's too complex. So I would say like, I was, I was born in a cradle and that was how I kind of thought of it. Instead of I was adopted from the cradle. I was born in a cradle. Like I tell Uh, people. Like, oh, Yeah. (laughs) So I always wanted to search from an early age and, you know, it's what Betty Jean Lifton says. It's the telling without the telling. Yeah. So I knew I was adopted, but I didn't know anything else. And my parents were famous for saying, we just don't know, you know, and now as a parent myself, I think, why didn't you pick up the phone and call the cradle and ask them for more information, you know, but. They were too afraid to do that. You know, they didn't wanna they love the cradle, okay? They're the cradle's biggest fans. <laughs> All the parents from that adopt from the cradle make donations. That's how they survive. So, they yeah. didn't want to stir the pot of anything. Oh, of absolutely. This. So I was never satisfied with what I didn't know. But overall I was a pretty happy child stayed out of trouble for the most part. I was probably considered the good child and my brother was the rebellious child. Mm-hmm. I was involved in a lot of things. I played the violin. I was in orchestra. I played soccer. I did a lot of activities, but I did was a late bloomer. So I had some early adult failures that now I attribute to. I blame it on adoption, <laughs> to be honest. Now you that know, I'm out of
0: the fog, I blame everything on adoption.
2: There you go I do because I just didn't know what I didn't know, so I got involved with some unsavory boys. Well, I had one abusive boyfriend, I was booted out of college, and you know i've never I've always been a decent I'm smart enough to do well i just I was struggling, yeah, so that was my young adult years, and then I met my husband and we got married when I was twenty five he was thirty four and he already had a daughter, so I became an instant stepmom. And so that was that's kind of where my adoption search starts. While we're engaged, I really it wasn't close in my mind. It was kind of on the back burner. But I was like, I think I'm going to contact the Cradle and see what they can tell me. Of course, I'm very very scared that my birth mother would reject me. I was just I was kind of just dipping my toe into the water. And at but, yeah. this
0: point, you knew nothing about. I mean, did you have non-identifying information at at least? No, No. nothing. Your parents were incurious about like, don't rock the cradle as it were.
2: (laughs) 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 That is about the truth right there. So I had nothing. Okay. Okay. Wait, I had one thing, one thing. Supposedly the cradle told my mom that my birth mother was an artist. Oh. And I'm like, well, what kind of artist? Well, we don't know. Oh. Artists all the same? I know like I can't even draw a stick man, so I'm like she couldn't be like, How can a- I <laughs> I'm like this doesn't match up with me, but then I thought,' okay, well, maybe she was musical, that would make more sense. that but, would make yeah, you know it's just like it's all in your imagination because you have nothing concrete to hold on to, so when I was twenty four and engaged. I sent a letter to the cradle. I actually posted their response at my Instagram, if anyone wants to read it. Oh, I do. <laughs> yeah. It's there. And basically, it's, here's your non-identifying information. Unfortunately, your birth mother has made no contact with the agency, but we do offer an in-house registry if you would like to join. Well, all they had to say to me was, she's never made contact. Mm-hmm. And I instantly felt like, oh, she doesn't want to know. She doesn't care about You know, I read into that and said, right. okay. I, I would stop. too. Yeah. So that was as far as I let it go for a very long time. Okay. When I was 38, we had a crisis pregnancy in the family and my husband and I ended up adopting his, a relative of his
1: and, and everything came out.
2: <laughs> well, <I'm bubbling. laughs> yes, because it was supposed to be, the mother was supposed to be involved and then she left and, We've never heard from her since.
0: So, how old's the child? Our daughter is
2: seventeen now. Okay. So is she exhibiting any behavior like you had? As no, she's not. And I credit, although I blame adoption for me, <laughs> I credit <laughs> her knowing her truth and having relationships with her extended family as. Oh, okay. What really helps those wounds that you you know all of us carried? Yes. And that's not to say that she's not going to have any problems, but she is an honor student and she's very artistic and she's got a lot of friends. I would call her very well adjusted. And she's been your daughter this whole time? Yes, since birth. Oh, okay. Okay. So when her mother left, something happened to me, like in my psych, like, oh my God, this is repeating. Like my mother left, her mother left, and I was just a wreck. I was like, I can't believe this is happening again, you know? Were you,
0: at this point, still close to your adoptive parents?
2: Oh, well, my father died in the 80s. Sorry, I didn't mention that. And we were never close. But my mother's still alive. She's 90. And we are not... I wouldn't call us close either. Like, we have a lot of contact, but like I don't confide in her. So we're not Mm -hmm. like super tight or anything. Anyway, she was very supportive when we adopted. And she's, in fact, our daughter's middle name is named after my mom. So... She did the best she could. You know, everybody says that without having the proper education. It's not like the cradles did them any favor and explain to them, you know, what our needs were going to be in the future. They just didn't know. Yeah. So I, I give her a lot of leeway there. And she's tried. She's tried to educate herself. Like she'll watch documentaries. <laughs> I'll be like, mom, watch this documentary. When <laughs> <laughs> I actually caught her crying, watching for the life of me, Jean Strauss's documentary. Oh, I mm. wanted to see that. Oh, it's so good. It's free now. It's I've, on Vimeo. I saw
1: it recently come up like something yeah. someone posted, it. I was like, "I've gotta see this. It's
2: so good, and my mom's very tough, so I don't think she thought I would see her cry, but she was watching it, and I was doing some other stuff and i I came back in the room and she's got the tissues and she's like <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, maybe she's getting it. I think so. that's
1: that's big, just the fact that she's trying to educate herself and has, and yes,
2: you know. Yes, and so this is kind of jumping ahead, but when I published the Adoptee Survival Guide, she actually sent a copy to the cradle, with oh, her own spin. Wow. her own spin. Like, her, <laughs> she was proud of me, and you know, she's still buttering up the cradle because she loves them. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, at least she was like, "Look at my daughter did."
1: <laughs> so. Well, it's education because who may read it there, and you know.
2: They it's, probably threw it in the trash. I'm sure.
0: <laughs> we want to keep the blinders on. We're like Camille Cosby. Let's keep the blinders keep the, on.
2: <laughs> <Camille>. <laughs> anyway, after we adopted and I was like, oh my gosh, her mother left her. It kind of pulled me out of the fog. I was never totally in the fog. I told people I was kind of halfway in the fog. Like it was always below the surface that I wanted to do this, but I just felt with the closed records laws in Illinois where I was adopted that it wasn't going to happen. So it's not for lack of wanting. It was just for lack of understanding that I had any resources out there. And so when our daughter was about one or two, I started really doing a lot of research online looking for help. And I came across this post at adoption.com that said, to all Illinois adoptees, if you look at your adoption petition, it will have your surname, your birth surname on it. And I was like, what? Like, I've had this document in a file for years, for most of my adult life. Never knowing. Never putting two and two together. So I pulled out the box, I got into my file, I got the adoption decree, and it, sure enough, it said baby girl blank, baby girl blank, numerous times on the adoption decree. Had just my surname
1: sitting there in the file, just
2: sitting there. Yes, and that's very common, and not yes. just Illinois. So you probably have heard that. So I, I haven't
1: heard that. I was on your blog site for people on our podcast. You're you're the adopted genealogist. You also have a blog, but it's very educational. What I was well, reading on you. your blog about Thanks. birth records and the research you've done. Yeah, yeah, and I don't um, know that much about it actually.
2: Well, if you want to see that documentary, I do link to it under my documentary page. Okay. okay. Gene Strauss's documentary. So, yeah, I started researching and I came across that post at adoption.com. Then I started researching Illinois law and I found their mutual consent registry. And so I signed up for that. And then I got on the Cradle's website and I saw that they offered post adoption services. So I was like, oh, okay. Like the stories I'd heard from other people, you know, the adoption agencies don't help you. And the Cradle, for all the Stuff negative I say about them. (laughs) They do have a good post adoption (laughs) services program. It's expensive, and I had to pay $500, and there was no guarantee because of the way the law reads. If my birth mother had said no, then I would have lost my money. Fortunately, she said yes, and we had a reunion not long after I submitted all my paperwork to the cradle. It actually found the social worker, took the social worker one week to locate her. Was she still in the Chicago area? No, no. She was Northeast. That's all they could tell me.
1: I think it's crazy how like all these years go by and there's the information just boom, a week later. That always blows my mind when I hear these
2: stories. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with women, you know, this is a genealogy thing too, that, you know, their names change upon every marriage. Mm -hmm. So they have the names. And even though I had the name, it was common enough that I couldn't pinpoint like where she was from you know, so that's why I ended up hiring the cradle. And, you know, the reason that I think they found her so fast is because she had a very unique married surname. There's only a handful of them in the whole mm. country. She was easy to find. She wasn't hiding <laughs> and what, in the closet.
1: When you talked to her the first time, had she been looking or was she excited that you had found her? Or how did
2: that go? She said that she would never look for me because she felt that was wrong to disturb my life. Mm. Yeah. So many she, people that She way. was happy to hear from me. She wrote me a lot of really nice letters, but I was not prepared to go into reunion. Hmm. So it blew up, and it's mostly my fault <laughs> that it blew up. But the reason that, I mean, it went well. We spent some time together. My two moms got to meet, which is pretty unique. That is, that is unique. unique. Yeah. Yeah. I have one picture of the two of them. I'm in the middle of them with my arm around both of them, and they both look like <laughs> like, face, like I don't know about this so <laughs> I don't think they were that happy to meet each other but they were both playing along for me
0: it's like so. an you know an ex-wife and a and a new wife meeting oh, or God. something yes. you I, can, know? I can imagine I had just
1: relatives meet my mom and it was all very like I, my mom's face you know I can tell and be uncomfortable wanting to do it for me yeah. and then being yeah. like can't wait
2: till this is over. Exactly. And <laughs> the thing that was the most uncomfortable is when my birth mom showed up to our condo, my son and I were sitting on the front porch and my mom appeared at the door. And you know, this is their first time seeing each other. And my birth mother says to my adoptive mom, Thank you for taking care of my little girl. Oh I just like I wanted to melt into the chair. Oh, yes. <laughs> my son was just like, Oh cringe. <laughs> he was in ninth grade then, or he was in high school. Yeah, he must have really cringed.
1: (laughs) And these are the moments where like, you're cringing. You have to apologize. I've had so many of them where you didn't do
2: this though. You're the baby. I know. It's like, oh my gosh. I was like, after that, I was like, I think this might've been a mistake. So then my mom. (laughs) Wait, so what, (laughs) yeah.
0: What did your, I didn't hear what your adoptive mom said. Nothing. So she (laughs) she
2: left to go check dinner. Okay. So (laughs) they were invited over to dinner. My (laughs) problem. I just saw her face and I was like, oh, goodness. So we had dinner and I was so in a state of trauma and shock that I do not remember anything. They talked nothing. I don't remember any conversations from dinner. Nothing. I was just like. That must have been surreal for you. It was. And I was so uncomfortable. And I remember my birth mom and her friend that she had come down to visit with. They were staying in a separate condo and they were really into the elections and it was the time of year where the, there was going to be the vice presidential debates. And so she was like, I have to go, I have to go watch the vice presidential debates. So she was like out of there. And I think it's because she just was so uncomfortable. The friend. No, no. The <laughs> friend was awesome. I loved her friend. Oh. Her friend and I really hit it off. We spent more time <laughs> together. <laughs> I can't my birth mom. My birth mom was just like frantically cleaning and, doing things and the friend and I just really connected and had a great time together. So I was glad she came.
0: <laughs> the two moms are, are, you know, spinning out and you're connecting with the friend.
2: She was safe.
0: She's yes, like, exactly.
2: I've never taken part in a reunion before.
0: <laughs> Cause it's so common. Most people have taken part in a reunion. <laughs>
1: It's interesting that you say you're not in reunion, like it collapsed. And I think that's quite common for so many adoptees that find, like you go into it and you have no clue what you're doing yes, and how to navigate your feelings. And then all of a sudden what's expected for the next steps. I mean, I, I sort of did that myself even on a smaller part. And then you're like, oh wait, I don't want to do this. it so it's, you know.
2: Yes. And I felt so guilty. I felt like I'm the one that opened Pandora's box. So now I'm stuck with it. Like I had convinced myself that I couldn't back out, even though everything in me was like wanting to just take steps back and further, further back. And eventually that's what I did. I just kind of kept distancing myself Mm -hmm. until the contact just ceased.
0: Are you still in a state of ceased contact now? Yes. Do you ever see that changing?
2: No, I don't. My husband keeps telling me it is, but... I don't know. I think for me, it's a lot of resentment that I still haven't healed from.
0: What were the circumstances of being of your birth?
2: So the circumstances, I'm not quite sure yet, because I've had a lot of different people tell me different things. I know that they met at a party. She'd been drinking. Later, a couple years after we met, she said she was date raped. Mm -hmm. So... But then I got different stories from her brother and her best friend that maybe she was engaged to this guy. Not, not to say that you can't be raped while you're engaged, but she made it seem like she didn't know him and she didn't remember his name. And, uh. and my uncle was like, uh, yeah, I remember his name. I remember all sorts of things about him. So, you know, I just didn't feel there was no real authentic connection between the two of us. And for me, I'm a truth teller. I'm like, I need I don't want to be friends with someone who can't tell the truth. Yeah. It's just how I fly. And I think the thing that devastated me the most was like, I believed that she was going to be like me. Mm. We were just going to be like two peas in a pod, you know, and we just weren't. And that was just really, really hard for me to accept. Did she have other kids? Yes. I have a sister and a brother. I'm the oldest. She told her husband about me, but not the kids. So they had very widely different reactions to me. The one embraced me, my sister. My brother wanted nothing to do with me. So it was uncomfortable because nobody explained why he wasn't there and why he wouldn't talk to me. It was just kind of like the elephant in the room type thing. Another secret. Yeah, there was just not a lot of open communication. And that was so... By the time I was 40, that's when I met her. I was 40. By the time I was 40, I feel like I had already kind of lived my life. And I had a pretty stable identity minus you know past information. And I think, you know, I just didn't have any room in my life for any more. Have you looked for your biological father? Yes. And so that's why I started the blog, because I spent years and years and years searching for him. And I didn't think there'd be any hope until genetic genealogy came along. So I tested in 2013 after I read Richard Hill's book, Finding Family, and he had discovered his biological father that way. His birth mom was deceased. And so he didn't have a story at all. He just knew that the guy on his birth certificate was definitely not the guy. So he went through and explained his journey in the book. And when I used to write for Lost Daughters, I was matched up with him to read his book and interview him. So I was like, oh, this is totally the universe pulling me into this, you know, pocket. Yeah. It was like, oh, I have hope again. So I tested in 2013 and it wasn't until 2020 that I got a close enough match to unearth who he was.
0: Wow. That's a long
2: stretch. Yeah. Yes.
0: How close was that match in 2020?
2: Ancestry predicted it as second cousin. It turned out to be a half first cousin once we built the trees. Ah. So we shared a grandfather, but not a grandmother. That's kind of how the half comes in. Mm-hmm.
1: And so do you know anything about him now
2: or alive? He He was alive when I found him. He passed away in August of of 2021. He never acknowledged me. Oh, my brother who's very close in age with me, which I suspect is why there was a big secret surrounding Mm, my uh conception. Also will not speak to me. They live in another country. My father was from South America, which is why it took so long for me to get a DNA match because uh-huh. he was a, a very recent immigrant. He moved, he flew into the U.S. in the 1950s. He got educated here and then he became a professor and taught in Canada for many, many years and retired and became a, let's see, real estate developer of some sort. Were he and your birth mother close in age? Relatively, about five years difference. Okay. He was an older student. So when he came over here from South America, he was already like 20, maybe. So he started junior college late, late bloomer like me. <laughs> <Right>. So <laughs> He started late and then he got his PhD. So you can imagine it took him a lot of years to get educated. And then he left the country, divorced his wife. And interestingly, my brother ended up in Ohio
1: Oh, that's weird. I
2: found him when I was researching him. I found his yearbook pictures in Ohio the same years that I was in high school. And I was like totally tripped out by that. <laughs> thinking that's, he was right here near me. I mean, that's God.
1: just, I have my biological father. The reason I was also a secret in his family is because there was another baby on the way. Oh, and yeah. I haven't, I'm I'm still at the beginning of that journey, but oh wow! I wonder how that will Turn, play
2: out. Listen. Well, I you. hope your brother will or, or sister. sister. I don't sister. know. Yeah, Man, I, I don't even that. know. Yeah, I think it just depends on people's personalities. Like, yeah, um, my father was a Rolling Stone, and there's rumors that there's lots of other kids out there. So my brother's probably like, oh yeah, another one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that, have they? They haven't shown up on Ancestry. No, because all of them live in another country. So my father oh, they still row. live in. It. Yes, my father's from Peru. I have a sister in Honduras. My sister told me that there's two other brothers, but she doesn't know anything about them. She just said her mom has a picture of them. That's all I know about <laughs> them at this point. So
0: he also had a daughter. You're saying that you're in touch with?
2: I forgot to mention that.
0: Yes, <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm like so yeah. after I found him, I started. He accepted my friend request on Facebook. That was the only contact we had. And Did so, you tell him who you were? I mean, I just friend requested him. I did try to send him a <laughs> message, but I, you know, some people don't read their messenger no, or don't they tell them. messenger. And so I could tell he never read anything I sent him. So I was like, all right, I'll just, you know, stalk his Facebook page. So, I so he didn't, seeing- he didn't
0: know you for sure. You were, you never anywhere told him like, Hey, no, I'm- he
2: knew, he knew. Oh, okay. There was a relative who, sh- who contacted him Okay. and called me. So there was an in-between person that was trying to be helpful So yeah, he knew about me. He just never acknowledged me. But I learned about the sister because I kept looking on his Facebook page and every picture that he had that was tagged on his wall was this young girl. And I was like, could that be his granddaughter? But no, it's his daughter. So (laughs) He was a rolling Stone. (laughs) He was in his 80s and he had a child in his 60s. She's the same age as my daughter. Wow. 17. Oh, that's... Yeah. Wild. So we FaceTimed. She's in Honduras. We FaceTimed and it was really great. She has three brothers. She's like, I'm so happy I have a sister. And, you know, she learned um, English from watching TV shows. And so she's pretty good with her English. We've invited her to come here. But I was going to say, that's pretty neat. If
1: she came, your is. sister would meet your daughter and yeah, I would love your that. son. Yeah. So yeah. now
0: you, so at least there's a nice Part of the reunion is you have a, yeah. a sister and my cousin
2: that I matched with. I had a nice reunion with her. She's wonderful.
0: And your sister through your birth mom, no, no contact now.
2: No, they live like right next door to each other. It wasn't going to work.
0: They're just <laughs> they very were tight.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It wasn't going to work. I have nothing against her. I just, when the father question came into the mix, I did try to ask her to help me. And she just ignored my emails. So I think the fact that I was going to search for my father wasn't accepted by my mother. Yes. And that's really kind of the final thing in our relationship that closed the door is that, you know, my husband actually had a conversation with her and said, you know, we're going to be testing our DNA, her DNA. And she's like, oh, he's dead. You're never going to find him. So she wouldn't give us anything. And I felt like we gave her a fair opportunity to tell me.
0: And it's been how long?
2: Oh, years. So that was probably 2009 or 10. Mm. We spoke with her. So many, many years ago.
0: What kind of artist is she? <laughs> right? <laughs> I was a thinking painter. that.
2: Too. She's a painter. Oh, she is. so she Everyone was an on artist. My, yes. All of the people on my maternal side are painters. It's crazy. interesting. And I don't paint. I don't draw. I don't do any of that. But my one grandmother, my maternal grandmother was a musician. So I did get that apparently.
0: And on, and on, your, my, and on your father's side. Yeah.
2: My father is a published author, so I was super excited about that because I write and I Yeah. Write. So yeah, I was excited about that. All of his books are in Spanish. I know some Spanish, but not enough to read books in Spanish. So I'm hoping someday maybe I'll, you know, get back on my Spanish and figure out what his books say. I know what they're about. He he was a Latin American expert, so he wrote about different poets and he taught Latin American languages and he traveled with students and he was just very he was politically involved. I think I'm a lot more like him. I was going to say it's he's yeah. I mean it's sad you
1: couldn't know him but
2: mm-hmm. you are very similar. I think I mean, we are. I do. Yeah. And it's weird to be able to know that but to never know him. Yes. But I did have this wonderful opportunity to hear his voice. I told you he taught in Canada. I found in this archive. This is the great thing about genealogy. A talk he gave in the 1980s called You're going to love it. In search of identity. Oh. <laughs> that was the name of his talk. Ironic, <laughs> yeah. And I listen to it every now and then in my car. It's like thirty minutes long, just so I can hear his voice and like uh-huh. kind of for who he was. And he has this really cool Latin American accent. Oh, I'm sure. But he speaks actual ex- excellent English, so it's just like that's the closest I've ever come to really feeling like I knew him, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: Your cousin that you're close to, is that cousin close to your biological brother in Ohio that won't? No. See you? It's
2: really weird. None of the family num- members really know each other. That's, yeah. Yeah. So I wasn't able to really glean a lot of information from family members, but I did get to talk to the guy that flew my father into the country. He's like 88. And so we had a really nice conversation. And I actually wrote a chapter in my future memoir that I hope to publish about that conversation. So, so you get more cool. from,
1: from the pilot than the,
2: <laughs> from He remembered family. every detail of that trip. Wow. He was flying a private plane into Lima. It's a great story. I was just blown away. I was so happy to be able to talk to him.
0: That's so great. How did they all end up in Chicago? Is this, were they in school?
2: Well, that's a great question. The oldest community college in the nation is in Chicago. And that's where he went. <sighs> yeah. I didn't know so, any of that. That's yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of immigrants came to Chicago to get educated. And this buddy of his that flew him in was from there. So I didn't tell you this part, but my uncle was a general in the Peruvian army. So he was kind of a big shot. Right. Mm-hmm. And so he spent time in the Chicago area. And my cousin that I matched with, and him, and the pilot, and my father all got connected. So that's the cool thing about genealogy. Like you find one piece, you're going to find other pieces and other people to interview. And yeah, so that's other. How it, went. it was like, I talked to this person and then she told me about this person. And then I called that person. And it's amazing what you can find out. You guys know your interviewers by just talking to people.
0: It is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You do a lot of work in this realm, which, you know, it's good for listeners to come follow you. And because a lot of people don't know how to look or yeah. are scared of the process. and.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we just interviewed someone and she went through the thought fo- you'll hear on the podcast, went through the foster care system and is, you know, wanting to find her caseworkers that were on it and, yes. and a YMCA counselor that she thinks probably saved her life from an abusive foster care. Boy, what a harrowing story. So, she could probably use the help too.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you were raised on foster care, there is a giant file on you. The she can't
0: get them. She's trying to find she's been trying to find the file.
2: Is it because so, she doesn't know where the file is?
1: Talk probably. I think yeah. she sort of hit some crossroads and then
2: red tape, know, tape.
1: Yeah. And she, she said
2: yeah. she's busy and you know yes. that's why my search is so stretched out because you have to live your life. You can't spend your whole life searching. Mm-hmm. You know, like isn't it
0: incredible us adoptees there. and how good we are at talking? Stalking, yeah. I've <laughs> <means> been stalkers. Researching. <laughs> Poor every boyfriend well, I ever had.
1: <laughs> well, this is really interesting. I mean, I'm curious what happens long-term. like your husband... I, do,
0: I am too. I was just going to yeah. say, let's keep us in the loop because I don't think, I feel like there's not an ending yet. I feel like it's I still to come. That. Yeah. yeah. Why does I your, have hu- a, your I husband
2: have, to have an ending now because I need to publish this book.
0: Oh, <laughs>
1: I'll make it an ending. You can make an ending. <laughs> yeah. Why Why does your husband feel that it's not finished with your biological mom?
2: He knows me, I, even though I can't hold a grudge for a long time. <laughs> I think he feels like I will at some point come to some kind of peace with it and mm. get back in touch with her. I don't see it happening, but I never say never because I don't know what the future holds. That's right. And, you know, people don't live forever, so... Like if you want to get in touch with people, including myself, <laughs> you <laughs> need to do it while they're still alive, you know, mm-hmm. you put it off and put it off. And
1: and she must have know. some sort of trauma with whether her story is real or not about with yeah. your biological father of just shame or whatever it is that oh, she's sure. so anti-situation. Yeah.
2: Yes, I have more empathy for her now that I know who he is, but it was really hard to have empathy for her when I felt like she wasn't really having much for me.
0: Yeah. That generation and the shame is you know kind of is the the driving force that really blinds everything else.
2: Yep. Yeah, I can see that now that I've been in the community now for a decade. I attend so many groups and I know so many birth moms now in the community that I'm like, I understand, you know, it's so traumatic. I, I honestly think birth moms have it worse than us. Yeah. I, do. I feel like, you know, as a mother myself, I can't imagine letting go of my child.
1: No. And then being sort of just having to not have anywhere to talk about it or yeah. deal with
2: but those feelings. Die. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I get it. I just don't know if I can go back. Yeah.
0: Um, well, more yeah. to come. You keep us <laughs> posted, please.
2: I will. This I know. Great. If, and this yeah. has been
1: great. I feel like we have a new friend. I just enjoy it you know, so much. Me too. <laughs> oh, really great. Thank you.
2: you guys are awesome. I'm so excited to hear your latest episodes of your podcast.
1: Thank you. And we're excited when you're on. So thank we'll keep, you for coming. And we'll put all your things in our show notes.
2: Okay. So yeah. people, people can send you, I can send you something.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. All right. All right. Well, thanks, thank Lynn. Thank you so much. No. Thanks, Lynn. Well, she's a lot of fun. When- she is great. I'm going to be digging into the cradle because I want to...
1: I mean, too. Her blog, when I started going on it, I'm like, she's really good at this stuff, too. She gets in there and...
0: and I well, also- we we say this a lot, but adoptees are just so good at digging, digging, digging and investigating.
1: It's true. And the thing I like about her the most, I think, just for me, is just that she likes her truth. Like She's into the truth. And mm-hmm. if you don't like it... I mean, it's finding her truth and kind of being like that even as a kid. Yes, She's very tenacious and just bright. I enjoy yeah. it a lot. Really glad liked we it. had her on.
0: <laughs> well, as we always say, another,
1: another great, great episode. episode. See, See you, you next, next time. time.
0: Thanks so much for listening today.
1: And remember, if you'd like to share your stories or suggest any guests for our show, you can find us on all the socials at the Making of Me podcast.
0: And again, we have a Patreon page so that we can continue to bring these great adoption stories to you. So if you want to find that and donate or contribute in any way, find us at patreon.com, searching adoption, colon, the making of me. Bye. See you next time.